Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body, as he has determined, and to each kind a seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and star different from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual, spiritual body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, and it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was the dust of the earth, and the second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. So I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flesh... In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. 
but thanks to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand as you're able for our reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verse 24 through 27. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. Amen. Well, welcome to our third week of Sacred Searching, a worship series where we look into some of the most searched questions of the world when it comes to what the Bible or the church especially what they say about certain topics, what they say about this. As, as people ask questions about faith in God and, and would hope, you know, I guess I would hope that they would look towards the church or the Bible for answers. But as we have discussed over the past few weeks, Google is the place where many people search. They just type those few words in uh, to the search bar and immediate get an- immediately get answers, even if they may not be the right ones. But this is where we got our topics from, uh, by typing these, these questions into the search bar and, and allowing that predictive text to fill in the blanks. Uh, and so we've talked about this, and so I, I had to do it again. So I typed in a new question this week. Uh, so yesterday I typed in, what if I? What if I? And then allowed it to fill in, to try to figure out what was going to come up next. So the top responses as of yesterday of what if I were... What if I was purple? That was number one, people. <laughs> I, I don't get that. The, the next one I understand. What if I test positive for COVID? What if I didn't run? What if I lost my passport? And what if I moved on? Deep questions at some point. Those are the top questions in the world for that particular question. However, this series is all about what does the church say about or what does the Bible say about uh, certain topics, and that's where these topics have come from. Uh, So people want to know answers, and so we're going to try to do that again today. And I'm going to remind you that if you have other questions, if if the, the message today brings up anything to you and you have a question, you can certainly text it in to me. I will see what I can do about getting to it uh, as we go through the message time today. But my number is in the bulletins, uh, so if you need that. Actually, speaking of bulletins, make sure that you have those out. It's got those little spots for jotting down notes uh, so that when those other questions come up, you can jot those down so you don't forget them. Uh, Will you pray with me this morning? Gracious and almighty God, God, we come searching for answers, searching for answers that the whole world is asking. And so, God, I ask that you would speak, that the words that I speak would no longer be my own, and that this would be a message for your people. All this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you might remember 
that I have uh, that I've been giving you a couple of warnings uh, about this series, and so today is no different. First, the internet is not always right. I don't know why I have to keep repeating this, but I really need to keep repeating this. It's not always right. You can't believe everything you see and hear on your computers and smart devices. Uh, you know, we used to think that Wikipedia had all the answers. And then some of us found out how easy it was for influencers to, to maybe adjust some of that information that's found in Wikipedia or, or maybe to in, create an entire website focusing on misinformation. Why do people have to do this? Why do they have to do this? And second would be the, we have to be careful of proof texting. Taking one passage out and, and, uh, and taking out a context and, and kind of putting our little spin on it. Uh, so we need to be, uh, be aware that, uh, that there's a couple of dangers that, that come with this, especially as we look at the context of the ancient Near East, the time where Jesus lived uh, we should never ignore that. And so today we explore another interesting topic, one that deals with far more than just the topic itself. People wonder what the Bible and what the church say about cremation. But is that all there is to it? Is that all? Just what about cremation? See, I, is there more to their questions than just the idea of what do, people, what do we do with people when they die? Now, we'll get to that in a moment, but first, we need to take a look at this practice and the history of the church and the world. See, we remember that John Wesley, uh, the founder of Methodism, would look at four different areas to understand his Christian faith. Scripture, tradition, reason, and experience were all part of his discernment process. Therefore, we're going to try to do the same thing. So some of you may, might think this is a fairly recent practice of cremation. And while the technology and the facilities are far more advanced now, there is historical proof even, that even the earliest centuries, cremation was more common than we might have thought. Uh, in 1990, there was a, a cemetery found in the region of Tyre, uh, of one of Phoenician history. We might remember uh, some stories of people from this particular area through Scripture. But you see, this area it was full of cremation urns dating back to the 10th century BCE, before Christ. This is nothing new. But what might have changed opinions along the way, I wonder? Certainly, we could view the Old Testament Scriptures as they speak about creation and how humanity was created in the image of God. This would have placed a very high view on the human body, offering a distinct reason for not reducing it to ashes. Although I remember a certain phrase which is repeated at many grave sites, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We can also reference the incarnation. Jesus lived in a human body, showing how the divine and the human could indwell together. And we also know that the Holy Spirit dwells within our physical bodies. And lastly, the resurrection of Jesus gives us the perfect image of deathly burial followed by bodily resurrection. Or does it? One of the biggest questions about the resurrection, although it will be just as Jesus, is whether it is a bodily or a spiritual resurrection. 
And we're going to touch a little bit on that in, in our scripture passage today. But before we do, let's take a couple of statistics here in the United States. The first recorded cremation happened back in 1876. Not saying that anything happened before that. The first recorded one was in 1876. However, they were not that popular at the time. In fact, actually, if we look back not too long ago, in 1962, 5% chose to be cremated. 5% in 1962. In 1991, that jumped to 17%. And then it continued to increase, 25.5% by 2000, 55% in 2021. And it's predicted that 80% will be the number by 2035. I wonder if you knew this, this little thing. In Japan, bodily burials are illegal. Did not know that. The cremation rate is 98%. Don't ask me about the other 2%. I have no idea. <laughs> also, in the early centuries, the Greeks and Romans were not opposed to cremation as they focused more on the soul than they did the body. And if we explore the traditions of the church, we find that the Roman Catholic Church banned the practice of cremation in 1883 only to change their minds post-Vatican II in 1963. So now it's okay. Although there were a couple of restrictions, the remains in the Roman Catholic tradition must be buried in a cemetery or church and not scattered or placed within people's homes. Early on, I think about the Jewish faith, they insisted on burial. However, some have relaxed those restrictions as well. Part of their belief is that the soul gradually leaves the body during this process, the decomposition. And cremation speeds that process up. Therefore, they believe it causes pain even after death. Our reasoning then certainly brings up the point that many will argue that that is, that the body will decompose through oxidation regardless of the process. Cremation just speeds the process along. You see, what might take five to ten years under normal circumstances, cremation does in 20 minutes. Some will then argue that it doesn't make a difference. I would also say that if God can form humanity out of dust and clay, as we heard about in, cre in uh, creation, God can certainly pull ashes together. I remember studying some of the burial practices in the ancient Near East in the, and in the first centuries, finding that people would be buried in graves uh, that looked a little more like caves. We hear this through Scripture. Then, every so often, they would be opened so that the, the remaining bones could be gathered and placed in something that they would call a bone box with the rest of the family's remains. However, if we are to look toward our primary source of faith and understanding, Scripture, we're going to find a difficult time either proving or disproving cremation. You might notice, actually, in the two passages that we shared today, uh, that Mary shared with us, that, that we don't find anything about cremation or burning bodies after death. And that's because there really aren't that many. Sure, there are passages that talk about burning, but most of them are in conjunction with judgment and punishment 
while a few others are in situations of, of after wars and mass graves. We do have a prophecy, however, from Amos chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, which tells us this is what the Lord says. For three sins of Moab, even for four, I will not relent. Because he burned to ashes the bones of Edom's king, I will send fire on Moab that will consume the fortresses of Kerioth. Moab will go down in a great tumult amid war cries and the blast of the trumpet. This prophecy which definitely speaks about the sin of burning a body to ash. However, it's not recorded anywhere else in Scripture. Again, beware of proof texting. But I think we need to look at a couple of things today which people are asking, especially when it comes to cremation. First, when it comes to the resurrection, are we looking forward to a bodily or spiritual resurrection? Some will say spiritual, while others will insist on bodily resurrection. Some have, some have even told me that they're hoping for the spiritual one because they're not really happy with the body that they have. The aches and the pains and everything that goes along with it. Yeah, I see some nodding. Some might even suggest that we will get to choose which body. In other words, which age will we get upon our resurrection there was even a story during my reading this week that, uh, that I came across, uh, I came across in The Week magazine in 2006 where they were interviewing some, some incredibly wealthy people, incredibly wealthy people. Uh, and they were really confident in medicine, the modern medicine as it was coming. They, you see, they arranged for their bodies to be frozen after they died and even created personal revival trusts is there such a thing, Dave? Personal, okay. Personal revival trusts, which are designed to ensure their personal wealth will be waiting for them when they woke up, maybe a hundred or so years into the future. One person even stashed $10 million into one of those accounts, assured that after the interest had accumulated for hundreds of years, he would wake up the richest man in the world. Now, maybe this isn't quite the resurrection that we are discussing today, but I wonder if some of us are thinking along the same lines about what our bodies and our lives will be like when that particular time comes. You see, Paul writes to the church in Corinth about this very topic of resurrection that we heard. Obviously, they had questions about the resurrection and what it was going to look like. Not much has changed over 2,000 years as we strive, uh, as we still have those questions today. However, Paul addresses the topic in his own way by not definitively answering the question. He leads off by repeating the question that has been raised. What kind of body will the resurrection body be? Inquiring minds want to know. Probably the best answer comes in his first few words. You foolish person. Maybe he was wondering why they would even be concerned with uh, these trivial things like what will we look like when we are resurrected. I'm sure there are more important things to wonder about. What does God look like? Will Jesus recognize us? Are the streets really gold? And how many licks does it take to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop? These are the questions we should be asking, not necessarily the Tootsie Pop one. Uh, not caught up in ourselves, 
then again, we are human. Well, Paul goes on to tell them analogies. Like the one about a seed needing to die before it can grow. And maybe he's pointing them to the idea that a seed doesn't look like the plant that it produces. Frankly, the plant is much more beautiful than the seed. And we should all be so excited to see what blossoms from the seed of our human bodies. However, verse 44 tells us this. And this is about as direct as Paul gets about what the resurrection body will be. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, then there also is a spiritual body. Paul is pointing to the combination of the physical and the spiritual while we're here on earth. But the physical will die and the spiritual will be raised. What does it look like? I don't know. And and frankly, by reading Paul here, he doesn't know either. All he knows is that it will be different. And we will all be raised. I remember the accounts of Jesus' resurrection and the many people who saw him after he was raised from the dead. Almost all of them didn't recognize him at first. It wasn't until he spoke, until he started to call out to them, that they understood that it was Jesus. There's also accounts of Jesus appearing to people, even in a locked room, no doubt being able to, to walk right through or pass through the walls. So many questions. So little time. But there's one last question that comes to mind as we talk about cremation. It has nothing to do with the practice. Nor does it have to do with whether we will have a physical body or a spiritual body at the resurrection. This is the question that brings me hope and lets me know that revival is coming. Remember that we are looking into questions that the whole world is asking, not just Christians. This tells me that people from all over are wondering about cremation and what the Bible and the church have to say about that. So my question is this, why are they asking it in the first place? Could it be that more and more people, regardless if they are connected with a church or even know about the saving grace of Jesus Christ, are wondering about something greater than themselves? Are they wondering if there's something beyond this life? I truly believe that God is working in their lives, prompting them to ask these questions. And I believe that God is working in all of your lives and encouraging you to grow in your faith and to ask questions, to voice your doubts, and to wrestle with all of the answers. This, brothers and sisters, is good news. So if you're wondering what the Bible and the church say about cremation, I hope you have a little more information to discern your belief. But I will say this again. If God can form humanity out of dust and mud, I am absolutely sure that God can bring ash back together into whether that is a physical, the spiritual, or whatever body it is when we are resurrected. Otherwise, I know this that our spiritual body will live in the very presence of Jesus Christ, worshiping God Almighty through the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, 
God, you continue to amaze me with the questions that people ask and the ability to to offer hope and peace in the midst of questions and doubts. And God, I am grateful that more and more people are asking these questions, that more and more people are searching for you. Because God, that tells me that, that you are still at work in this world. You are still at work bringing revival through the power of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the, and the saving grace found in his cross. And so God, continue to encourage us. Continue to speak to our hearts as we understand more fully your plan for us. God, all this we, we lift. In the powerful and matchless name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so as we get ready to go forth from this place, knowing about the hope and the promise that God has for us in the resurrection, may you go forth knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you, and it goes with you always. Amen.